and what a treat it was to, to get to watch some of our children share the story of, of Christmas, the, the story of the birth of Jesus. You guys did a great, great job. Uh, and, and I've got to say, it's the greatest story ever told, at least the first part of the greatest story ever told. Uh, what we know about that story of Jesus after the birth is that for the next 33 or so years, Jesus went on uh, to live the greatest story ever told, the greatest life ever lived. And at times that story of Jesus plays out like an action story, like it's fast paced and it's moving and he's doing things. Uh, he's healing and blessing people and, and he's walking on water and he's throwing tables over in the temple like an action story. And there are times in the story of Jesus where it feels more like, more like a comedy, particularly when he says some things that I think were intended to get a laugh at the time. For instance, when he's talking to people about judging others and he tells them that, you know, before you take a speck out of someone else's eye, maybe you should pay attention to that plank that's in your own eye. Times the story of Jesus looks a little bit like a horror story. Uh, imagine the scene when Jesus plops down in the middle of a cemetery. That's, that's pretty frightening uh, in itself. But, but in that cemetery, there's, there's a man who is demon-possessed. And he's out of his mind, and he's talking out of his mind, and he's breaking chains. And Jesus performs an exorcism on that man. That's, that's the stuff of horror movies, right? At times, the story of Jesus feels like a mystery. Jesus is going, and he's doing all these great things, and he's teaching, and he's, he's preaching, and he's healing and people are scratching their heads like, who is this guy? Uh, is he some great teacher? Is he, is he the Messiah? Is he something else? Is he just out of his mind? Uh, the story of Jesus is a mysterious story. And then absolutely there are times where the story of Jesus feels like a drama, full of, of, of heavy emotion toward the end of Jesus' life. I think of him being in the garden and, and praying so, so intensely that, that he's, he's sweating drops of blood. And, and then he's arrested uh, by this hasty mob and, and his disciples scatter and he's, he's, he's taken through the sham of a trial and he's, he's beaten and he's mocked and he's crucified, hung on a tree for all to see, uh, including his mother. I mean, that's heavy stuff. That's emotional stuff. That's the stuff of great drama. I think all these genres are true of the story of Jesus, but if, if I were to pick one genre, one category or classification that described the story of our Lord Jesus, I would say that his story is a love story. It's a love story that originates with a God who is love. That's who he is. And that God who is love loved the world so much that John 3.16 tells us that he gave the, the greatest gift ever given, his, his one and only son, his precious son, Jesus. And that son would grow up and he would teach people that the most important thing in the world, that, that the thing that matters more than anything else is love, loving God, loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus taught that those who followed him, they would be known, they would be uh, recognized, identified by what? By their love for one another. As you know, as the story continues toward the end of those 33 years of life on earth, Paul tells us how that love unfolds in Romans 5 when he writes, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died 
for us. That story of Jesus on this earth that began with with the baby born in a manger, visited by shepherds and wise men. That Jesus who, who grew up and was crucified, put in a tomb and who rose on the, uh, rose on the third day, that, that's a story that's just saturated in love. It's, it's full of love. Every page you turn in the story, every scene in the story is full of love. And, and I'm not talking about the, the like dippy kind of drippy, shallow, disposable love that we, we often see in our, in our world and in our culture. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about the kind of love that can be described as faithful love, as self-giving, sacrificial love, as, as authentic love. The kind of love that, that's not just spoken and then nothing happens, but the kind of love that is full of uh, and, and shown by brave, selfless, action. There's a book called Love Does by an author named Bob Goff. And in that book, Goff writes these words. That's what love does. It pursues blindly, unflinchingly, and without end. When you go after something you love, you'll do anything it takes to get it, even if it costs everything. And as we see in the story of Jesus, even if it costs our heavenly father the gift of his one and only son, the one born as a baby in that manger in Bethlehem. In that same book, uh, Goff goes on to to say that that really the the way that that love is displayed in the life of Jesus, we should use sign language to describe that kind of love, Not, not a spoken word, because sign language is full of activity and action and movement, not just lip service. That's what God's love is, it's full of action and activity and movement, it, it's, it's motion, it's movement. That's what God's love is, especially the kind of love that we see in the life of Jesus. And that kind of love, that active, moving uh, love that, that, that causes Jesus to do all the things that he does, that kind of love literally changed the world. And that kind of love literally changed my life and continues to change my life. And that kind of love, I'm convinced, and I see it in you, is changing your life as well. And so we're at the point in our service where we're going to gather around the table of the Lord. We're going to share communion together. And this is how it's going to work. We're going to take the bread as it's passed, and then we're going to take the cup as it's passed, kind of back to back. Uh, the praise team is going to lead us in a song that's, that's about God's love, the, the kind of love that doesn't let us go, the kind of love that faithfully pursues us, love in action. And so as we take the bread and as we take the cup, as we remember Jesus who was born to to Mary in that stable in Bethlehem, and as we remember how he grew up and lived his life, the the greatest life ever lived, how he he gave that life on the cross for us, may we we celebrate the love of God shown in that, that beautiful and perfect way through the life of Jesus. I invite you to pray with me before we partake. Let's pray. Our Father, on this Christmas Eve, we give you thanks for the greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of your one and only Son, born to Mary, placed in a manger, visited by shepherds and wise men, the one who grew up to give his life for us. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of love, 
for your life that was beautifully lived and given for the sake of others and for the sake of those of us in this room even. And Spirit, we ask that you would help us reflect, commune, and help us to be grateful in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. If you've been at Southern Hills for the last few weeks in December, you've known that each week we've been lighting a candle that's uh, part of the Advent tradition that a lot of Christians partake in. Uh, There are four candles, we've lit one every week. The first week of Advent, Lauren Robinson and her family lit the Hope candle. The week after that, the Flores family with baby Aria. We did a baby blessing for Aria and then that family lit the Peace candle. Last week, Margaret Ballou lit the Joy candle and then we watched the Gilmers this morning light the Love candle. But if you're looking up at the candles right now, you'll notice that there's a fifth candle. Uh, And it's a little bit bigger than the rest. Uh, For those of you that are kind of new to the Advent thing like me, uh, the fifth candle is the Christ candle. And traditionally the Christ candle is lit uh, on Christmas Eve, whereas the other four are lit on a Sunday during Advent. The, The Christ candle is lit whenever Christmas Eve happens to happen. Well, this year Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, and so we get to light the Christ candle on a Sunday, today, you get two candles for the price of one uh, today at Southern Hills. Um, so I'm going to do that right now. The Christ candle traditionally represents the coming of Christ into the world as a baby. His, his birth, as we've heard those children uh, talk about that story. Uh, but it also talks uh, or reminds us that, that Christ is the light of the world. Fitting that a candle reminds us of Christ being the light of the world. And it's... It's offset from the others because it's uh, given a place of prominence. The, the Christ candle exists uh, higher than the rest and prominently placed because the other candles and, and what they represent depend on the Christ candle. Because we have Christ, we have hope. Because we have Christ, we have peace. Because we have Christ, we have joy. Because we have Christ, we have love. The thing is that because of Christ, we don't just have those four other eternal blessings. Because of Christ, we are expected to be those blessings in a world that's full of pain and need. See, we're expected uh, and really we're given the privilege of taking those things that we receive from Christ, the hope, the peace, the joy, the love, and extend that light to those around us. Uh, Listen to the way that that the Bible talks about how we are to not just receive the light, but be the light. First John 1, 7 says that we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. Ephesians 5 says that we are to live as children of light. Philippians 2 says that we are to shine as lights among the people of the world. See, we're to, to take this, this light from Christ, who is the light of the world, and then we get to be extensions of that light into our world. We are to, as the scriptures say, we're to walk in that light and live that light and shine as light in our world. And if we do that well, church, if we extend that light of Christ to others, if if we take the light that he gives to us and share it, then his light is gonna reach more places. His light is gonna touch more lives. His light is going to, to brighten more darkness if we'll do that with him. And so right now we're going to participate in a little object lesson that 
is gonna show us uh, what it can look like when we take the light of Christ and share it with those around us. Uh, If the guys in the booth will dim the lights. Kids, it's the time you've been waiting for. Uh, I'm gonna invite, in just a minute, uh, this is the way this is gonna play out. I'm gonna invite uh, some of my friends to the stage and, and we're each gonna take our lights, the four of us will take our lights from Christ and each of us will go back to another part of this auditorium and we will light someone else's candle in the front. That person will light it, the candle of the person next to them and on and on. Uh, when it gets to the end of your row, if you'll reach backwards and, and let it extend to the row behind you. And as the, the light goes from the Christ candle throughout this room, I want you to, to imagine what this world can look like if we will take the light of Christ and share it uh, with those around us to those in darkness, to those in need. And as this room begins to fill with that beautiful light, that soft light, that warm light, uh, may we pray that that our world will will, uh, experience what we experience in this room, the light of Christ spreading uh, as we share hope, as we share peace, as we share joy, as we share love. Uh, As we do that, the praise team will lead us in several songs. I'll invite them to the stage at this point. And then my friends with the candles, the four of you know who you are. If you'll come to the stage uh, and let's, let's let our lights shine.